keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome, everybody, to Total Heaven Marks. I am the king of sad style, the male, the largest head in the world, St. Germain event. We are here with Robert Karpolis, a.k.a. Andy Cups, Sergeant Slaughterhouse, Scotty Chaplin, Zach Attack, and joining us for the episode today. We're really pumped about it. Uh, I interviewed him on ad-free shows. Uh, he's been a tag champion everywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, Doc Gallows is here. Hey, what's Ooh. up, boys? Thanks for having me on. Thanks up, for coming Doc? on, man. I'm excited. But we, we, we do this in a 10-count format, so we'll start out with number one. Talking Shop Mania 2, it's tomorrow. A ball for a ball match. Oh, what better way to settle a score than to rip another man's nutsack off, right, boys? <laughs> I mean, for fuck's sakes. No, it's exciting, man. It's on uh, Fight TV and uh, Worldwide Pay-Per-View. It's just $14.99. Um, hashtag worse than the first, for sure. But yeah, sex <laughs> versus Chad, too bad. And ball for a ball with the richest prize in the game, brothers. The oh, talking yeah. shop of mania. Beerski title on the line. So <laughs> my money's on Sex Ferguson. I think it's going to be a big fuck you, buddy, to Chad. Too bad, but hey, I might be a little biased. I'm not sure. It's very exciting stuff. <laughs> How the fuck are you going to top this after ball for a ball? That's what I said. I said, we're, we're, I think we're turning into ECW. Like, we're going to go too high with this because, especially, ball for a ball is insane. It's if you like the good brother, uh, Carl Anderson and Gallows humor, if you listen to our podcast, Ever Talking Shop, it's a lot of dick jokes and stuff like yeah. that. This is to the 10th degree. <laughs> so I don't know how we go higher, but other than that, like we sent Rocky Romero out to LA to, uh, to shoot Chico El Luchador versus Chavo Guerrero in the shoot death match. Not one of these death matches where guys lay around bleeding, where someone has to die in our talking Chavo Mania <laughs> universe. And, uh, you know, we trust Rocky. Rocky's the most sensible man of the talking shop crew. And he blew the entire pay-per-view budget on one segment, which, uh, it turned out unbelievable. Uh, I mean, there's there's bazookas, there's special effects, there's stuntmen. There was a crafts and services table that I'd still want to kick his ass for paying for. But uh, <laughs> it, it was it's almost too good for the shit content that we put out. So yeah, man, like I love uh, I love the first one, but you know it still looks like it was shot outside of Seven Eleven. You know what I mean? There's well, no yeah, that's the beauty of it, right? And, I, and and once I saw this thing, I was like, wow, Rock, that's that's too high quality for what this is. You know what I mean? <laughs> we need a higher price tag on this thing than fourteen ninety nine. If I knew you were gonna pull this shit on me, <laughs> hey man, you're gonna you're gonna fucking you're gonna have a lot of repeat buyers for this. Uh, <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> okay, but to be fair, the the first one still looked better than a lot of the shit we did in MLW uh, when we first started out there. That was what blew my mind when I watched the first Talking Shop of Mania was 
how good everything looked uh, and the and the way the audio sounded. I mean, you guys had actual splitters for your headsets. Everything was in focus. Everything was, was cut together pretty well. I mean, the pay-per-view is pure shit, but it looked right. amazing. <laughs> well, you know, I, I actually have to give like a little behind the scenes credit here, and we're going to give him credit on the air tomorrow night. But there's a guy named Mike Moran who uh, Scott Demore had introduced me to, and he worked a lot with Mike Weber over at Fight TV. And Mike Moran does wrestling, boxing, MMA, racing, anything that you can put on film. He drives around the United States of America doing this shit. And like, you know, we did this out of pocket on the first one with a little help from some sponsorships. And we're like, brother, we don't have the budget that you deserve. So he kind of really came in and gave us a brother price on that and put that thing together and sat in my freaking dining room and edited it together for like 20 hours straight. So like my hat's off to him completely. So we had to take a little better care of Mike on talking Shopamania too after we did a buy on the first one. So hopefully, hopefully you guys buy this bullshit and we do a buy tomorrow night too. I'm really hoping that we do. So we'll see what happens. How do you get that vision across to someone like Mike where you're like, this is going to be intentionally terrible, but trust us, everybody's going to love the shit out of it. How, well, how do you like, even get that across to someone who's going to buy it? I'm sure you guys have a proper format for like when you're doing MLW or like a WWE show or whatever. Like we just had my chicken scratch ass notes and we kind of handed him to Mike and he's looking at him going, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, well, it's a satire. It's a parody. It's a goof on a few things. It's, I don't know how to explain it. And then once he got out there and saw what was happening, he kind of went, oh, okay, this is actually a lot of fun. And once he started to pop for it and got it a little bit, then it all kind of came together. He was the perfect guy for us for something like that, because it's very hard to explain that you intentionally want to do a bad wrestling pay-per-view, you know, unless you're trying to repeat the heroes of wrestling or whatever it was called. (laughs) In that spirit, total time in wrestling, like when you were on, you know, like just starting out to now, what is the worst gimmick you've ever seen? Whether it's even in an indie show or like something that was just one night. Oh, man. You guys talk about this a lot, don't you? Did I see this on Twitter today, or was that somebody else saying that? I think that was somebody else, but we... Yeah, yeah, it it might be going around today. God, I don't know, because... There was a guy... (laughs) I I remember what it was, and God rest his soul, he's passed on now, but when I first started out, like, back when I was 18 in 2002, and I was going around these really small West Virginia indies, there there was a guy named Davey Boy Shits, and Davey Boy Shits would wear brown, like, Muay Thai trunks to the ring. And he didn't have a lot of personality. He would just walk out with a newspaper, and he would sit down in the corner and pretend to take a shit while the other guy made his entrance. And that was his gimmick. And I think that might be – that was high-ranking with the worst gimmicks ever. That and there was a guy named Jerkface back then, too. And I just – I don't know. It doesn't really get heat. It's just your name's Jerkface. Like, I don't want a shirt that says that. So there were some, there were some bad ones back then, for sure. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's pretty fucking rough. Um, <laughs> it's pretty rough, but those are the ones. It's it's so much better to, I mean, I like, get so much better to like, th- like in comedy. Th- those are the ones you remember. You remember, right? Like, yeah, of course you remember like a few great people, but you remember like all the fucking nuts. Like you don't oh. remember anybody who's middle of the road. Yeah, and I mean that's that's kind of what I think. Talking shop of many, the beauty of it is like the Nature Boy Paul Lee, like he doesn't know that what he's doing isn't fucking five star. Like in his <laughs> world and his universe crying. and his mind, like it's awesome. <laughs> and that's why it makes him so much fun to use in this fucking bullshit alternate universe that we came up with. Like I was looking at Instagram yesterday and I 
screenshotted a picture to the talking shop boys and it was just like he took a selfie at some indie show on instagram and he puts no caption and his whole fucking head's cut off you just see like his tits and his trucks and i went this is why he rules and we need him same thing and george north is like intentionally bad but also like his in-ring skill doesn't keep up with the character so he's another one that uh yeah it's perfect for what we're doing (laughs) have you ever seen in the middle of the match seen this or even been a part of it where somebody just goes because we watched one match where junkyard dog was against moondog spot and you could tell junkyard dog just wanted to get the fuck out of there you know (laughs) have you ever been in a match where somebody's just gave up they're just like yeah all right i'm out i'm done I think I had a match like that with Sylvester Turkai in about 2011 in Japan for Antonio Inoki. So I'm not encouraging people to look that up, but like the, my first showing over there, I was like, fuck, I did great. I'm going to be the man over here. And then the next time I came, Sylvester had been out of the ring for about six months and not doing any training. And he was oh, no. getting very tired and uh, <laughs> he's a great dude, but it was not our best showing. Antonio Inoki, runs down through the crowd and is screaming at us at ringside oh my god pretty fucking amazing especially when you're a lifelong japanese wrestling fan and this is like my second match in japan it was pretty uh (laughs) it was pretty traumatizing at the time yeah i mean after that happens though you can't be scared when vince yells at you well, there's nowhere to go but up from there, you know? <laughs> no, when, when Vince yells at you, it's fun, though. I remember when Vince screamed at me, like, part of me was kind of terrified, and part of me was kind of like, this is really fucking cool. Mr. Yeah, McMahon yeah. from the Attitude Era is yelling at me. <laughs> yeah, because it's he same- yells like that. God damn it, get your hands up. What the fuck? <laughs> it's the same energy. Now, when you when you did the, the, the first and the second Talking Shop of Mania, who were you most surprised that said yes? You know, nobody really said no. Nobody said no yet. And the first one was a lot more like of our buddies who kind of get our humor and kind of more our generation. They're like, all these goofballs are going to do this bullshit and we'll go down there and hang out. You know, it's a pandemic. There's not much going on. Uh, What surprised me was like Big Papa Pump saying yes. Um, And then a lot of guys like that were good to me when I started and I haven't seen for a lot of years, like trying to like convey to the powers of pain what it was and i think they still thought like they were coming to like an indie show i was putting on and then like they just pull up to a guy's yard and we're kind of like what the fuck like where's our money at <laughs> i'm going well hold on a second here guys and and, and this is a funny story yeah this is a funny one too like virgil thought he was working for aew because i guess when he came to atlanta to work for i guess aew did that that spot that he did was shot in atlanta or yeah, something yeah. And I, he got to the hotel, which is like, you know, I'm an hour south of Atlanta, so it's a couple exits up where there was actually a decent enough hotel to put these guys in. And I guess he saw Tommy Dreamer there and just thought that Tommy Dreamer worked for AEW and that they were doing AEW. And he didn't realize until the next day when they pulled up that they weren't at an arena or anything. And then all day long, I had to be on set for this other thing I was shooting in Atlanta, which was just terrible timing. So I had to come in at night and do the ball for a ball match or whatever. He thought that Mike Knox was me. So he was calling Mike Knox Festus all day. And then he saw like, you know, Knox is a longtime friend of mine. So he saw like Knox and my wife, Bethany talking. So he thought they were married and this was Knox's house. So when I walked in at like 9 PM, he was like, what the fuck? There's two of you. So, <laughs> so which one is banging her? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I'm impressed he was that coherent to remember Festus. I mean, that's kind of the headline of that story right there. Well, I think he thought it was with a PH, you know, maybe like a Festus Indie Run kind of thing. 
Um, you said last time I talked to you, you said you hung out with Jake Roberts. What part of the night freaked you out the most? <laughs> well, I hung out with Jake Roberts years ago before he was sober. And I was just like, tell me some snake stories. And he pulls his shit down in a locker room full of people and shows the tattoo of his ex-wife's name above his deal. And was like, that's so she could ensure I wouldn't fucking cheat on her. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's intense in a room full of 20 dudes who are just like here to mark out for you on this little indie show. <laughs> Like, yeah, man, I didn't want this to be the beginning of a documentary, dude. <laughs> yeah. He he actually inspired the ball for a ball match all those years ago with that showing, maybe. <laughs> um, do you have? Uh, I just watched that match you guys had with the North on Impact. It was great. Um, oh, thank you. Do you uh, do you know when you immediately have chemistry with somebody? Like when you get in the ring, or is well, it something that needs to get worked, like worked on, like on a tour per se, or? I think that helps, but I like the way the schedule is with impact right now. And in pandemic wrestling, it's hard to do that. But I, I was, uh, I always like watch a lot of the shows. Um, and I was watching impact and I was really impressed with them. And I thought if, if Carl and I were ever in there with him, I think it would be pretty cool. And, uh, then I met him and like, I think Ethan page has a ton of charisma. He's got everything. I watched, um, Carl versus Josh Alexander on uh, on Impact on Tuesday, and like I watched it there, but like I was working while the match yeah. was going on. So like sitting back and watching it on my couch, it was like that's damn good professional wrestling. It feels good to be able to do that stuff again. And the match the match Saturday at Turning Point, I can tell you is uh, is better than what aired on TV because we we didn't want to we didn't want to you know go in our pants too early and give them everything before that Turning Point special. So the tag title match on Saturday nights so it's it's a really damn good match we had a good good time working with those guys and uh you know i hope there's a lot more of it to come ethan yeah, page man. by the way has an amazing karate man cameo in talking shop oh, not to not to spoil anything but yeah <laughs> so how do you guys do it as far as like these talking shop manias do you have to pace the drinking out so the whole night's not a blackout <laughs> like how do you guys like how do you how do you reach the peak? So like how does that work? I'll tell you this: like when I got released from WWE the first time, I somehow I've always been I don't know entrepreneurial a little bit or something. But I was running some wrestling stuff, and I landed this gig down in South America. This is a, a long story, but I'll, I'll abbreviate it. So all of a sudden, like this concert promoter bought these two shows for me, and I was like, I had this big budget. Like I somehow finagled Goldberg came to do a guest spot down there. And I had all these guys who'd been like released from WWE, all these guys from TNA. Well, they show up and it's 26 year old me, who's the boss. And we're staying at a resort and it's like unlimited booze. And I'm like, oh fuck, I'm the boss. I'm the one who's supposed to be telling all these guys like, hey, this can't be a shit show. Like we have to deliver two shows in front of a whole bunch of people tomorrow. What the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> it was the same thing when we got to the first talking shop of mania. Cause like, I turn around and Heath Slater's on his 18th White Claw in my backyard. And I'm like, bro, please, we're gonna have a great time when we finish shooting this, but just give me a little while. <laughs> so it was kind of the same thing when we got to the second one. I pulled up here and like, you know, the guys that were left over who had just finished shooting their stuff, they were out by my pool just in full blown party mode. And I'm like, hey, I love all of you, but please shut the fuck up so I can get this shot and we can go to bed at some point. <laughs> so it, it's hard to switch over into that boss role, but we got it done. Yeah, man. How were your neighbors while you're shooting all this? I mean, it looks like you're pretty spaced out there, but uh... yeah, lucky enough, luckily I'm on I'm on eight acres and I got like a half a mile long driveway, so 
out on the main road, I just kind of warn everybody. Um, it's really rural out here and just go, Hey, for these two days, I apologize in advance, but like it's wrestling. So somebody always does something to fuck it up for you. Like we were doing pretty good. And then Brian Myers like, yeah, but I got your editor, your podcast. He's going to be my DD. I'm going to get fucking hammered, brah. So he like gets completely shit faced. Well, Emilio, our editor is from like New York city. He doesn't even drive a car, which I don't realize this. So like they're leaving and Hawkins is all hammered talking shit to him. And he like drives down the end of my driveway, drives straight across the main road into my neighbor's yard and runs over a fire hydrant. Oh, and I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> so now I have to deal with the fallout from that, which hopefully he won't listen to this podcast. My neighbor, I don't think that he does, but uh, you never know. So, Oh, my God. Cast a wide net. You never know. Um, you never know, brother. So I, I got I to gotta ask this question because this has been like 15 years in the making for me to ask this. The first, <laughs> the first time I met you, yeah. uh, I was on SmackDown, and we, we used you as an extra where you dressed as The Undertaker, and we put you in a coffin. Uh, that was where a terrible it was, thing to do to a man, by the way. It was always oh, I was the one that had to shepherd you around, and uh, yes, I, I don't. You were. I, don't, I don't even know if you if you have real recollections because what wound up happening. Thanks for the middle finger, by the way, because it, it's an audio podcast. I have a recollection. I'm going to tell you why when you finish. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why this was so fucked. We made you put the whole thing on. You put the Undertaker trench coat on. They put the eye, the mascara on you, and and all this shit. And you're like, this Lawler, Lawler, Lawler drew the tattoo on my throat. Get the you got tattooed. We put you in the coffin. The, the whole gimmick was that uh, it was Randy Orton was feuding with Taker, and he was bringing yep. out a, a coffin, and the coffin was going to open, and Undertaker was going to see himself, but it was right. going to be you, and the crowd was going to still freak out. We go to do it, and then for TV, they wind up shooting the Undertaker in the coffin, and you get completely edited out. <laughs> right, which which that in itself is whatever, but the fact that like you're this young kid and you go like hey, you know, never say no, like Michael Hayes told me when I first got hired, no matter what they ask you to do. So you're just going, yeah, sure, of course I'll dress up like The Undertaker. What you don't realize is like, you got to get loaded in and this is a two-seg match and there's a commercial. So you're in a fucking coffin, airtight for 30 minutes, thinking it's your last breath. And then you got Paul Heyman going, there's no air in there. I hope you don't die. And I'm going, yeah, fucking me too. That would fucking really suck right now. They open this thing and I'm just... Man, Paul, and then they're like, whatever you do, you got to be, it might have been you. I know it was Taker for sure. He's like, you got to be completely still no matter what when this thing opens. And I was like, oh, good. As I'm like, going, and it slams back shut because the spot's a second and a half when it was open. So yeah, I was like, I got back to my hotel and I'm like, fuck, thank God I made it out of that one because it was pretty, I was really, it was in my head like, am I going to run out of oxygen here? Like, if I do, can I start hitting the thing and someone will come let me out or they'll just say, fuck off, who knows? And I'm naive and I'm thinking, oh, they know what they're doing. Like, it was magic. It was Richie's like, oh, they're professionals. This is wrestling. They know what they're doing. It's WWE. It's not going to be a problem. They're fuck. not going to fuck this up. So, yeah. yeah but uh, no way. You, you got the last laugh because you retired that motherfucker. So, good for you. Did I? I he he's, threw me my... He threw me to my death, but what that did was inspire a boner yard match. And now here we are talking about talking shop of mania two ball for a ball. Full circle. And I have to love as, a, as an ex creative guy that the end of the first talking shop of mania, you've got the, the Friday the 13th mask on, and this is dropping on Friday the 13th. So this had to be long-term booking. I'd love to tell you. Yes, but no, if you, uh, Anybody who's back in the realm and the archives of, of our talking shop podcast, we were doing it in Japan before podcasts were a thing, really. Uh, the, the, the torturer, the, the cock torturer, if you will, was born out of that, out of me being like mad and tired and hung over and not wanting to do a podcast and telling them that I was going to start my own cock torture podcast. 
So we've laughed about it for years. What we don't, what we didn't really think about is like, hey, even our little talking shop of mania, like audience, probably only 10% of them know what the fuck the Jason guy is. So we got a lot of explaining to do tomorrow night throughout that show. So hopefully it comes across, but the cock torture is definitely a fun character. <laughs> Cock torture sounds like something Darby Allen would be into. Well, he lives a couple exits up. Maybe we can book him next time. <laughs> yeah, sure. Hey, Scott, do you have any uh, other questions before we uh, bounce out here? Rob? No, no, just got to be a New Japan question, Scott. This you're our resident <laughs> New Japan guy. Come on, yes, please. Well, I mean, no, I mean, I hope you guys show up eventually. You know, obviously that's a big thing I'd like. Uh, I, I know you probably can't discuss a thing like that but uh are there hopes obviously that 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 happens man i'll just i'll discuss and i'll keep discussing it publicly until i get in trouble for it like there's already a deal in place the problem is um it's the quarantine so like for us we'd have to sit there for two weeks do one show two weeks back so like the guys that are over there on tour they're there for a hell of a long time but we're not going to be full-time anymore because we, you know, we have the impact deals and all this stuff we're doing in the States. So it's just hard figuring out when the world's going to open back up. Like I heard about the testing they're doing in Canada is like instant now. So there might not be a quarantine issue there. I really hope it turns into something like that. Cause we're dying to get back there. Um, I think it would be awesome to see impact in new Japan doing some stuff. I think that Chris Bay going and working the super juniors is a big deal. I think the fact that Rocky Romero was even allowed to show up on our, full keg special and access was a big deal. It's really small steps to kind of maybe repair that broken relationship from the issues yeah, they had 10 or 12 years ago. And, yeah, sure. And, and Don being over there and stuff like that. So, so, and I'm hoping with the new management in new Japan that uh, things will be a lot easier that way, but really right now the quarantine's fucking us up to be honest with you. Yeah. There's our, oh, there's our clickbait sure. right there. He's, uh, he's too much of a pussy to go over to Japan. That's why they're not going to be on. <laughs> he's afraid. <laughs> he's, he's scared of COVID. Yeah, that's okay. right. Thanks, thanks so much, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, Talking Shop Mania 2 is on the Fight Network tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Do I have that correct? Yep, tomorrow night. Nope, it's 10 p.m. Uh, it's available on Fight TV. You can pre-order now or if you're old school like my mom and dad you can buy it on traditional pay-per-view which seeing that in the preview box on real pay-per-view popped the shit out of me especially knowing there'll be a cock torture on there so uh it's only <laughs> 14.99 if you hate it you can't be that mad at us we are not laughing at professional wrestling we're laughing with it so enjoy it it's parody it's crazy it's the weirdest shit you're ever gonna see i hope you join us awesome man well thanks so much man thanks for coming on the show appreciate Thank it you. a lot guys See you that, was, that was awesome doc really appreciate it yeah, man. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. If you uh, if you want to tag me in it, I'll, I know I've been retweeting shit all day, but I'll put that out there, too. Oh, awesome. awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. Right. Thanks, guys. Later. Right, brother. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. All right. Number two, Senator Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes has told the press that he plans to only have five more years of wrestling left, and he plans on running for Senate for the great state of Georgia. So do you guys want to start campaigning today or yesterday excited for this i love the optimism of that there there will be a senate in that many years that this country will be what especially georgia you want to run in georgia that's where you would like to run okay have fun with that can you imagine how long those fucking stump speeches are going to be 
It's just, I think he's just doing this for a chance to just do promos in every city in Georgia over. He just, it's entrance promo for 45 minutes. But to be fair, like Dusty's whole shtick was all politics. It's like, I'm the son of a plumber. It's like his, his speeches are already written for him. Cody's going to be just fine. But my hope is that this makes Dustin the Roger Clinton of the family where he's just the black sheep uh, that they, that they have to kind of hide in the background once he actually gets into decent politics. <laughs> The tape of a threesome with him, Marlena, and Hunter Biden. I just, I just hope he blades himself before a speech and it's just like bleeding, screaming into the microphone. Just a real NWA promo. Is he a Republican or a Democrat? He's a Rhodes. So he's whatever's, whatever's available. Uh, if there's a Democratic spot, he's going to be a, a, a hardworking grandson of a plumber. If he's a Republican, he's a, he's a businessman who, who knows what, uh, what it takes and, you know, taxes, man. Uh, I'm not paying those. I paid my dues. I'm not paying taxes. Number three, Linda McMahon won't recognize election results. Here's the exact tweet. Stand with the president, Donald Trump, for a fair count of legal votes. Ignoring court orders and breaking state laws is the opposite. We must continue the challenge. Yeah, all, all those years of Vince cheating and not a word. And now when someone isn't cheating, there's no proof of cheating. <laughs> got to open her fucking mouth. I really, I miss the days when Linda was like the sane one of the McMahon family. It was kind of like, all right, she's the she's the bedrock. And now she's slowly sliding. And like Shane is quickly moving up to the uh, to the top of that list. But, well, these yeah. guys, man, they make a calculated decision. Let's. I'm going to, I'm going to run with the devil, you know, I'm well, gonna... that's all it is. It's th- these people saying, you know, he's not, uh, and until he shows any proof of, of legitimate widespread fraud, he's not, um, they're just playing it safe because they really don't know if, if it does go to the Supreme court and they pull one out of their asses and fuck everybody in, in an insane way. I mean, this is what they're thinking in my head is that there is a chance, uh, or maybe they just want to be a part of whatever bullshit Donald does after this. Well, I mean, Donald should have known he was going to he was going to lose the reelection once he put Linda on the reelection campaign team, because everything the McMahons have done outside of wrestling has shit the bed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, WWF New York, their uh, their record label, their uh, the, the WBF, the XFL. Anytime they leave wrestling, it doesn't end well for them. So. This doesn't surprise me all that much. They did have, like, later on, the WWE films have been made. Like, they had Oculus. They've had a couple that have made money. Well, way to fucking ruin my uh, yeah, my, my analogy shut there. Shut up, Dan. By the way, Oculus much, was pretty good. How much do I hope? <laughs> how much do I hope that Cody gets elected before Linda to Congress? Like, if that doesn't fucking stick it in Vince's craw. Now I want to see that happen. You're right. <laughs> All right, number four. Speaking of AEW, it's AEW Dynamite time. Let's go through it. What do you guys think of the show? We'll start out with you, Scott. I absolutely loved this show. Uh, I didn't watch it last night. I watched it early this morning. And the only part I didn't like was maybe Will Hobbs running out way too late and then just ripping his shirt off and being like, I'm. I'm here for you guys. That really didn't make any sense. And uh, I, I'm surprised the announcers didn't shit on that because the announcers were on fire last night. I, I thought they were awesome. MJF's thing actually worked for me. And I, I, I haven't been crazy about those segments that are kind of themed, you know, and this is him 
being placed into the inner circle and I was worried it was going to be a bomb. But like even the Drake stuff, the way he pulled it off was genuinely funny to me when 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 he said, I don't know who Drake is. And then he went into I started from the bottom. Now I'm here. Most people would say that in a way that would not be funny. He worded it in a way that was so perfect. And, and, and it's why he, he is better than everyone. He really understands timing. He understands the flow of how his words need to go. I, I thought that was awesome. I thought the matches were a lot of fun. I mean, the Scorpio Sky, uh, Sean Spears thing, you know, it's it was the same thing with uh, the slam into the steel steps. Well, that was great. Yeah. And the natural nightmares match. I mean, again, you had some wild spots, um, but both matches, it's like, their major highlights of dark, like the feuds are, are highlighted on dark. And I, I get putting it here and I was very fine with it. I thought they were fun matches to watch. Uh, and it is coming off of a pay-per-view. So I don't know what like actual main roster, however you want to call it feuds. You're going to, you're going to throw into a match yet. So it all made sense. I, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was hilarious that Darby had tax on his jacket and the announcer said it was because in case anybody attacked him from behind. I thought that was very silly and funny. Uh, Kenny's Kenny's promo backstage, Moxley's promo backstage. I love that Kenny is like, I looked at the record books and we never had a match. I, I think that's a really cool way to go with it. It's a really cocky, douchey thing to do. Um, trying to think of other awesome. Oh, I mean, and then of course, wh who was this woman who came out to talk to Cody? Oh my God. Someone who should never be allowed near a microphone again. <laughs> that, that was, uh, that was so close to being a disaster, but then I thought Brandy destroyed. I thought she did great. And to open with, do you think this is open mic night, bitch, which whether she had that planned or not anyway, the fact that that girl was so bad at talking into a mic, it just added to it. It, it really made it uh, a really funny, perfect moment. And she called her a heifer which was so uh, damn fun. I, I don't know, man. I had a blast watching this. It just set up so many great feuds. That main event was unreal to me. The, the last few minutes, especially Eddie Kingston on the announce team was unreal. Uh, the way he kicked Phoenix out of the ring and then Pac coming back uh, or Pac, however you want to say it. That was awesome. I know the internet was like, we thought it was going to be a bigger surprise. What's a bigger surprise? I mean, you wanted a free agent that's going to, that's going well, to team up with a Kip Sabian in, in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I'm not as high on the show as you were, I think, this week. I think part of it was it. some of it felt like filler. Some of it felt like strange decisions. Brian Cage beating Seidel. Again, I've said this before. They have guys in the roster you can squash, and Brian Cage squashing a guy would have made a little bit more sense than a very competitive match with Seidel, especially when you're trying to establish Brian Cage as a killer. Uh, the the woman that came out to confront Cody, we got peak Cody as Triple H when this promo was going south, and he just tapped on his wrist like, "All right, we gotta we gotta wrap this thing up." And then the reveal was that the giant was gonna be Shaq. That I don't understand because Shaq's a babyface because it's a big celebrity. So again, you're you're not getting the mileage out of Shaq that it should have been. It would have been funnier. If you knew you were going to get Shaq in involved in some way, that Jericho's, uh, that MJF's gift to Chris Jericho for his birthday is great news. I got you this huge marquee match. You're going to face Shaquille O'Neal. This is amazing. You're going to get all this press. And then Jericho's shit in his pants. Instead, oh, it's like, is Shaq going to be the heel? 
with the, with the Papa John's ads running in between them. It's like that didn't make a ton of sense. Um, Penta and Phoenix is a main event. It's amazing. But again, I go back to we, we ran it in MLW, I think, three months in a row because it's easy filler. It's like you can just plug this in and it's going to be a great match. And I get that you're you're kind of telling the, the the story of are they getting pulled apart by Eddie Kingston, but it's just it's an easy way to to book a segment, um, which isn't bad. But this was by far the greatest episode of TV I've seen all year because my boy QT Marshall uh, in that bunkhouse match, I'm not going to say he's the best wrestler of all time, but he might be the best wrestler in AEW. Um, <laughs> the way that the way that his he 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 bladed himself in a very awkward manner, the way he fell off that ladder like gravity just fucking hated him. Um, good for him. I don't need to see him on TV ever again. <laughs> yeah, I, I every time every time he has a moment, which it has, it's been few and far between, but he has had moments in AEW, and every time it happens, I go. This was them thanking him, and now he's going to assume whatever position he's supposed to assume backstage. And it just isn't happening yet. And, I mean, I, I really think he's going to be standing on top of a steel cage in a year holding a title, and I, I'm just so scared. <laughs> Dude, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, like, when the Harlem Globetrotters pulled somebody's dad out from, like, the audience or whatever and, like, like was able to score something, and everyone's like, holy shit. Like, that's what this feels <laughs> yeah. like. So even oh, when he definitely. did something cool, I'm like, oh, like Tony's dad just fucking dropped a pretty believable elbow. <laughs> How about the blade job by Blade, by the way? That was a like for for not having seen blood for a long time on TV to to that. That was pretty damn impressive. Yeah, that was a lot. And Blade is great in the ring, and he's, he's fighting Pack next week. I'm I'm pumped for that. Do you think Shaq's gonna be worth the money they spend on him? Do you think they're spending money on him? I think this is a TNT deal. This may yeah. be like they're, they're cross promoting in oh, the same way like Todd Chrisley will show up on Raw. Well, in that case, um, you know, that's actually, it's actually, you know, however they use him is great. As long as they're not like throwing Tyson money at him, they're fine. Well, you're going to, you're going to get, co- you know, highlights of Cody on, on TNT. They'll probably wait until what the NBA starts. Um, so you can yeah, have around, NBA on TNT. And they, yeah, around Christmas. Yeah, around oh. Christmas. They'll show highlights totally forgot how crazy is it that they're doing moxley and omega on free tv in december well i i i i have uh, my reasons for that that i'll get to in my uh my new japan corner uh, uh, that's a tease number uh, five nxt i love this show leon ruff winning the title was fucking great i don't like so much fun i don't like that happening all the time but this is the first time I've seen like a mid card title change hands to a job guy. So yeah, I thought it would, that was really inventive. I thought, uh, you know, Candace and who can't she fight? Tony Shop? Storm. What? Tony Storm. Candace and Tony Storm. Tony yeah. Storm. I thought that was good. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I I love I love the Kings NXT. Love him. <laughs> I would not break up undisputed era until they put all those guys over. I think yes. NXT was a was a fantastic show. The uh Johnny Gargano knows how to make the best out of anything they give him. And yeah. the 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 cockiness before spinning the wheel, it felt like when uh when Skip got pinned by Barry Horowitz. Yes. But then 
Johnny just kept going with it where he's like, you know, I would never have picked a wheel. I'm scared of wheels. Wheels are stupid. When, when, um, Damien Priest in the greatest moment he'll ever have when he put the title around Leon Ruff's waist and it just dropped because Ruff has such a skinny waist was done <laughs> yeah. so well. Even so the, perfectly. Even the weird build to Thatcher and Loomis on the show worked and the crowd seemed really into Dexter Loomis as a baby face, which surprised me. That's surprising to me. Anytime anybody gives Dexter Loomis a, a real genuine heartfelt reaction, I'm always a little confused, but that was actually my favorite match of the show. I think it was, was Loomis versus Thatcher. I, I thought more that was than, more than the title match in the main event. The, oh, the main event. I, I liked the outcome of the main event, but I, I didn't, I didn't have as much fun watching it as I did the Loomis match for some reason, but I did love the outcome. And, um, and, 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 I think it's what uh, what Drake Maverick needed out of anybody, actually, because ever since he's been signed, I know the fans have been behind him, um, but I I haven't. And 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 wrestling's all about me, you know. Uh, and watching him get his ass kicked, I started really uh, ruined for him. That was a great segment, man. And uh, McAfee is fucking McAfee on unreal. commentary made that match unreal. He, I mean, he's got the he's got the speed. When he's talking about it, it's like, you know, Danny Burch is getting his ass kicked. And he goes, yeah, but look at that tan. I mean, that is a uh, that is a main yeah. event level tan. It's like that's he, he, he cares and he's prepared and he's yeah. he's running circles around a lot of other people. They put on commentary uh, who've been doing this for years. So it was I, I just think top to bottom it was a really solid show. I, I agree. I mean, done is uh, I, I mean, I think that he could be their next world champion. Like NXT world champion. Oh, for sure. I mean, soon. Well, we're going to hear from Balor next week, right? They, yeah. they did promote right. that. But like, I would love to see um, Dunn as champ and have uh, have uh, McCaffrey just uh, be his mouthpiece the whole time, be his Paul Heyman. But a guy oh, I mean, yeah, that, that'd be great. And then you, but then you got Karrion Cross coming back. I mean, NXT is about to be uh, a lot of fun coming into the new year. I, I think the ratings uh, are going to get closer and closer. I like what they're doing with Champa as well. Those backstage promos about taking yeah. back the locker room. They're they're intense without going too like smart fanish. Um, but it, it's a really interesting uh it's a really interesting character for him. I feel like there's now for the first time in a while, and this is what I was praised AEW for in NXT, everybody has some sort of motivation. They have some sort of story. Every segment had a purpose. Like even Jake Atlas, you're seeing character development with him yeah, that was with great. the Escobar feud. Yeah, that was a great match. A few botches. I noticed a few botches, but uh, other than that, I thought it was really good. Um, number six, the AEW video game slash games were revealed. Scott, take it away. Oh, so Tuesday night, I believe it was Tuesday night, they had an AEW games reveal. Uh, one of the things they revealed was a T-shirt with the shittiest logo you'll ever see in your life. That is expected from AEW, though. Uh, other than that, we got three game announcements. We have a casino game uh, that's coming out. <laughs> that's coming out this winter. Uh, you know, you can play poker and all, all those things. It's uh, AEW Double or Nothing, I believe it's called. Uh, I got I got this up right, right there. I thought I hallucinated and tweeted that as a joke that they were doing a Double or Nothing casino game, and then it was like, oh no, this is real. Yeah, it's called AEW Casino Double or Nothing. Uh, you know, people like that stuff. I, I, I guess I get it. You also have um, a mobile game in, coming out in the beginning of 2021, they're saying, uh, titled AEW Elite General Manager. I, I know other 
things have done this in mobile game form. I, I, I'm, I'm sure it's fun enough, but you know, you get to like book dream matches, design a roster, you get to be a GM, which is kind of interesting because AEW does not have a GM, uh, nor do I think they will in the future. I think that's one thing that they want to stay away from. And one thing I definitely hope they stay away from. I think once you start getting a GM, it, everything just kind of becomes like everything else. And it's, it's kind of used as a crutch often. Uh, and then the, biggest announcement of the show which was actually announced in the beginning of it and it is really this announcement is really well done it's uh it's about 30 minutes long omega is dressed up like steve jobs he actually does a killer job presenting these things uh aubrey edwards is there Britt baker cody rhodes they they really do knock it out of the park and uh the biggest announcement was what omega said first which is you know that he wants a game that's easy to pick up but difficult to master like nba jam and uh NFL blitz and then uh and then he finally gets to it where he's like you know like no mercy like WWF no mercy um and that's why so uh they're teaming up with the Ukes uh to make a no mercy style game uh they announced that the director of the no mercy game is on board with them he's going to be working with them from Japan uh Omega's you know going to have an eye on it I guess he's he's a gamer and uh, then they showed some footage and they said it may not look like this. This is just something that they presented that they think it's going to look like. It's still way too early in the stages. But what they showed looks pretty fucking cool. They showed Jericho uh, and Omega fighting. And then it was like, what's funny about it is like, and dream matches you've never, like you always wish happened. And then fucking like Sheeta comes out and attacks Omega. And it's just Sheeta beating up Omega, which I thought was very funny. Uh <laughs> So yeah, I hope it's good. I hope I, I hope it plays like No Mercy. I hope the graphics are, you know, uh, up to today's standards, and uh, I'll definitely be buying it. But that's the AEW Games announcement. Yeah, you can follow them on Twitter, AEW Games, and you know all that shit. Yeah, they they need the plug. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, by the way, friend friend of the show, Stack Guy Greg, messaged me after seeing this and was like, "I saw the trailer and and I'm out." Uh, he's like, "They had one job. This doesn't look very good." So uh, they're not getting his fifty nine ninety five, but but they said they said there was a disclaimer before it that was like this is just kind of what we think might be a thing. So who knows? Yeah, because that's going to stop the internet from reacting. Um, <laughs> that's true. I'm look. I look, no I'm not a huge gamer, but No Mercy is one of my favorite video games that I've ever played, um, wrestling game or otherwise. It was awesome, but I'm not as optimistic because the same guy who did that also did like Def Jam Vendetta which was yes. not as good as No Mercy. I mean, it's cool. You can play as, you know, Red Man. Uh, yeah, but like DMX could fight Scarface. Right, because, that you know, Pretty you're cool. really hitting your sweet spot for the wrestling fan audience there, for the guys who had no idea who Drake was. Uh, that's how I, I was like, I was surprised that I recognized that was a Drake song. I, I'm that yeah. out of tune. All of a sudden, I was like, why? He did like one. I'm like, wait a minute. I know this song. Uh, I want to know who this casino game is for. It's like, is this to get your mom into AEW? Like, <laughs> It's yeah, they're trying to win WWE's target audience. 55. Seriously, they're trying to win that NXT demo. That NXT demo is like fucking 50 and older, right? Right. The spry young 40-something demo of AEW. Yeah. Uh, number seven. How the fuck is Ali's name pronounced? Uh, I guess there was some controversy this week as Tom Phillips said it one way and then Ali said that's the correct way to say it. I'm not totally sure. This is why no one's allowed to keep first names in the WWE. 
right. uh, because of shit like this. Vince is like, I'm, I'm being sensitive for once. His name is Mufasa Ali. We'll just call him Ali. It's like, it, it's so, it, it's so weird. Uh, everything with the Ali character right now is, is very strange because when he tweets, uh, he, he, he's trying, he's, they're now making this a very racially motivated angle in some degrees, which is strange where he, he commented about somebody saying retribution sucked. And he's like, you know, this is white privilege. Cause you can just say whatever you want. And then people attacked him for that. It, it, they need to they need to just cut bait on this and, and repackage everybody and, and end it because nothing good is going to come from continuing down this retribution angle. Dude, he needs to um, drop the Pete Holmes Batman voice. He's using that as his like heel voice. <laughs> it's the most put upon shit. I mean, I, I like the guy, but come on. Number eight, Scott's New Japan Corner. Scotty. Oh baby. Well, Power Struggle was uh, last Saturday. And my goodness, there's some news coming from it. So I'll say the thing that I hinted at before that uh, Gallows actually also mentioned, which is this whole idea of a two-week quarantine. So Kenta uh, at Power Struggle, he retained his uh, chance. No, well, he yeah, he retained his chance to, uh, to challenge the U.S. champion. The U.S. champion is John Moxley. Uh, it's got to be John Moxley versus Kenta at Wrestle Kingdom. My guess is Moxley loses the title December 2nd, goes into quarantine for a couple weeks, goes to Japan, defends his title in Japan. Whether he wins or loses it, I don't know. If he does lose it, I'm sure they'll have Kenta cheat. I don't think they want Kenta beating Moxley right after Omega beat Moxley, but who knows? I mean, he's not. he won't be their champion at the time. This is what I think is going to happen. I, I don't want to spoil... December 2nd, you know, results for you. He could very well win, and it could be the AAW champion, uh, you know, fighting there. I, I don't know, but it just seems like that's the case. Then, you you know, you could you could have Moxley go away for a little while, do his New Japan thing, and then come back this, you know, second or third week of January. Uh, so that seems to be the plan there. Fight uh, at Wrestle Kingdom, Tanahashi? Who? Moxley. No, Moxley is going to fight Kenta. Kenta beat Tanahashi, so so he has well, the right. Well, I know, but to... like, isn't our... oh so Kenta and Mox they're not fighting before Wrestle Kingdom? Oh, I mean, un... no, 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 they're not. I mean, un unless you know, Wrestle Kingdom is two nights. If Moxley challenges both nights, maybe you know, if the winner of that fights somebody, but right, I, I don't, I don't know if I see that happening. So yeah, I mean, that's that for that. All I mean, the biggest news out of Power Struggle though, and I know Dan knows this is uh, Jay White beat Kota Ibushi for uh, the right to challenge the IWGP heavyweight champion. So now it's going to be Jay White versus Naito. Uh, Naito, though, said that Ibushi still deserves uh, his challenge because he did win the G1. So on January 4th, it's going to be Naito versus Ibushi, Ibushi for the title. And then on the 5th, it's going to be whoever wins that versus Jay White. Uh, you know, they're trying to spread this out. They're doing an all right job of it, I guess. Uh, let's see what else we have. You seem pretty uh, underwhelmed by that. Well, no, you know what it is? It's just strange booking. It's why have a match where the title shot is on the line at Power Struggle, and then you lose that title shot opportunity, and then the next day at a press conference, the champ says, well, I'm going to fight him anyway, and then I'll also just fight Jay White. Uh, again, I understand booking-wise you do have to figure out how to defend the title on both nights. And that is the best way to do it. But at the same time, you know, you just kind of cringe a little where you go, well, that that's a pointless 
so he never lost the title shot. So I don't know. It's, right. it's I mean, like it's, technical... it's shitty booking, but you're still going to get two good matches. So I'd rather yes, exactly. bad booking yeah. and good matches than the other way around. For uh, for sure. And then also the uh, World Tag League starts this Sunday. Best of Super Junior starts Wednesday. And, uh, and then the Super J Cup, which I kept confusing the last few episodes with the Super Juniors. Uh, they're two separate things. The Super J Cup, I think, is going to be held at their dojo in L.A., and that's where you're going to have ACH and Leo Rush uh, fighting there. And that's going to be in one night, I think, at the L.A. Dojo on December 12th. So that's Mark what's going Mark, on with New Japan, I, man. I, quote Charles Barkley, I guarantee that there will be no better match than Okada and Osprey. Oh, that's the other thing. So, yeah, so uh, Osprey came out uh, after Okada beat uh, Master Okan or whatever the hell his name is. And uh, Osprey cut a pretty good promo. He had, like, a very expensive watch. Uh, he said how much it cost in pounds, so I don't know what it means, but it looked expensive. And then he took it off and threw it real far, not into the crowd, but like towards the the Tron, uh, towards the entrance, which was really cool. And he said, you know, none of this means anything if I'm not the best. And so I'm challenging you at Wrestle Kingdom uh, to see who the best in the world is. So it's Okada versus Will Ospreay to see who the best is, which which I always love. So, yeah, that's going to be an unreal match. Awesome. That's that. Number nine, Lana's been through a table 10 times. What's the <laughs> most humiliating angle a wrestler's been a part of? For me, it always falls on a lady. And I don't know if, if it's me being biased and feeling worse for women when things are happening. But that Trish shit with Vince always bothered me. The fact that she had to like make out with him during storylines where I'm like, how, do, how are you getting to do this? How How is Vince... How does the boss go? I have a storyline. I make out with you every week. That was always strange to me. And then he made her like bark like a dog one episode, which made me very uncomfortable as a kid. And then I remember the Piggy James thing really bothering me because she's not heavy in the slightest. Yeah. And they just made fat jokes. Yeah, um, so weird. Vicky Guerrero versus Ed, with Edge really made me cringe a lot where I was like, is are they punishing Eddie from the great? I didn't, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think the one I'm most uncomfortable, I, I feel worse for whoever, like not Hornswoggle, but like whoever was the stenographer court stenographer for little people's court, you know, like one of those, <laughs> like, like a background little person for one of their sketches. I mean, yeah. pretty fucking rough, Robert. Uh, I got I got three. One of them was because I just watched Talking Shop of Mania one, and it made me it reminded me because uh, Chavo came out with Pepe, but the whole thing with Chavo and Pepe, where uh, in WCW Eddie drove Chavo crazy, so Chavo carried around a little toy wooden horse called Pepe that he would ride to the ring. Uh, he's too good for that. Uh, during my time there, the Mexicools was pretty bad, putting those three guys on lawnmowers, especially since on the Patreon, we've gone back and watched so many psychosis matches and hooventude matches. You know, like these guys are fucking amazing. And then in 2005, it was like, let's put them on lawnmowers. Uh, and then and then to me, the, the worst is the Booker T WrestleMania wow. with Triple H, the whole Hunter, Hunter saying, you know, people like you don't hold titles. And then Hunter beats them. Um, which is kind of like that's the worst part. Yeah, I mean, it's Booker T really should have led Retribution. 
Well, he wasn't going to wear a fucking mask. Um, I'm, I'm not wearing that shit. But like, that's pretty humiliating where it's like, oh, we're going to make this an angle where Triple H is racist and basically saying you don't deserve the title. And then you're going to lose clean and you're never going to come anywhere near the main event again. Also, I, I have a question. Maybe I'm just misremembering. But every time JR was disrespected, was it he was just such a good actor or – was it just awful what they were doing? Because I remember every time they embarrassed JR, my heart would break. Okay. Well, because they didn't let him know. Like when they moved him to SmackDown and they just didn't let him know. Yeah. So the, the, the swerve on this um, is JR was kind of a dick like the entire time. And Vince was sort of more the baby face than not. Like, so fucking with Jim Ross, because Jim Ross was always surly in a bad mood, just made Vince very happy. Uh, and Jim liked to be able to play the uh, I'm the whipping boy and, and this is like, woe is me. But he he would bring it upon himself uh, a lot of the times. Uh, occasionally, it's Vince just being perverse and thinking it's fun. But part of it was uh, was that because that was that was a big eye opener for me because I always felt bad for for Jim. Uh, and then a good friend of mine, uh, Alex Greenfield, was in that uh, that Dr. Heine sketch where uh, they pull, you know, Jim Ross's head out of his ass when he went in for like emergency surgery. Oh, and Jim was at home, right? It Jim was at home. He almost died. Stuff, yeah. But that's like, that's the, the, the wrestling culture. It's tackle football on concrete. And they're going to find, they're going to be vicious to you the way your, your shitty friends would be in high school about whatever insecurity or thing that you have. I mean, they, when you mentioned Vicky, I thought you were going to bring up when Vicky and Chavo turned on Ray after Eddie died. And they were, they were making fun of, of Ray for trying to milk Eddie's uh, legacy or Randy yeah, Orton yeah. telling Eddie that, you know, or telling Ray that, oh, Eddie's burning in hell. Like, oh, man. whatever. They used Paul Bearer's fake ashes after he died. Like, there's no there's no basement to what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, uh, speaking of no limits to what we're going to do, what we are going to do is uh, the Patreon this Sunday. Man, that was a terrible transition. Survivor Series, the best, the top four rated Dave Meltzer Survivor Series matches. If you're wondering what these are, number, the, they are as the following. 2002, the Elimination Chamber match. That's uh, where HBK returned to Madison Square Garden. Team Authority versus Team Cena. Team Alliance versus Team WWE or WWF. I forget which one it was at the time. And finally, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart, 1992 Survivor Series. Kind of a lost gem there. So that's our Patreon. Number it's Bret 10, Hart at Survivor Series. What can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, number Survivor Series, though, has always been my favorite uh, pay-per-view. For whatever really? Number 10, WWE it- considers Braun and Bray baby faces. Do you? Who is an actual baby face in WWE? There, there's not many I because I, I think AEW, I mean, whatever. Well, the, the thing with baby faces and, and, and really there, there's few and far between now, especially because so many guys jump back and forth. And I think once you turn heel, going back to baby face is almost impossible uh, as long as you want to have like continuity. Because to me, a baby face has like the strongest moral compass on the roster. He sees what's wrong and, and he addresses it um, in a heroic way. That's why, like, even someone like Austin and stuff, I, ne- I never saw him as a baby face. I rooted for him more than everybody. But, you know, he, he's – what, what do they call that, a tweener? I guess, yeah, or a uh, 
anti-hero. Yeah, but but a baby face. To, I mean, John Cena was a baby face. Uh, and, and what happens a lot with baby faces is people start hating them because it either comes off unbelievable or people can't relate to them or, or, or it makes you think like, you know, someone has their head up their ass. I, I think that's what Cody's going through right now. I think Cody, for the most part, is a baby face. Uh, but because of that, he sounds like a douchebag. <laughs> But yeah, Will Hobbs is obviously uh, a baby face in AEW. It is starting um, to get hilarious that he's showing up late, like in every single. Insane. This is uh, all subtle storytelling for his big heel turn. Yeah. And yeah, not just shitty timing <laughs> from a guy who can't really tear his shirt off properly. <laughs> um, I mean, in, in WWE, like the, the true baby faces are, are the guys who don't have much of a storyline. I mean, Ricochet, you know, he, he has one, I guess, now. But Ricochet, to me, seems like a pure baby face. Um, Otis. Otis is the baby face. Right. And everybody else is kind of, you know, like undercover prick or they're the fiend where it's like, this isn't a baby face at all. It's just we're, we're, we're totally demented as a society. <laughs> undercover prick is a pretty great gimmick. <laughs> Robert, uh, do you think the fiend is a baby face? So I think I think Braun. First of all, Braun is Braun is nothing. He doesn't have a character. Just a matter of who you put him against is just all right. Is Braun a heel this week because he's fighting a good guy? He's fighting Keith Lee. All right, he's a heel. Is he fighting Sheamus? Okay, he's baby. None of the Big Show lessons. Pretty much, um, Bray is a baby face because he sells merchandise. And if the WWE can find a way to market you, you are a babyface. Uh, we, we ignore the fact that he tried to drown Braun Strowman a few months ago uh, or that he's terrorized people as a, as a monster. The part of the crowd wanted him to be a babyface from the beginning because what he was doing was entertaining. And anytime you're entertaining on the three-hour slog that is Raw or the two-hour slog that's SmackDown, you become a babyface by default. Because people get excited to see you. It's like, oh, good. I don't have to sit through a fucking Baron Corbin match for 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, as far as pure baby faces, it's, it's, to me, it's a short list. It's Daniel Bryan. Because Daniel Bryan seems earnest in what he's doing. Um, but at the same time, it's not – the crowd doesn't ever turn on him. They still love him even though he's, he's Charlie Brown running after the football. You know it's going to get pulled away every single time, but the crowd's there for him. Uh, New Day are baby faces and the Street Profits are baby faces because sure. the crowd gets excited and they love them. Uh, fuck Otis. Otis isn't a baby face. Otis is uh, no he's a baby face. He's, he's a fuck baby him. face. No, he's he's you're it, uh, there. There's a degree with Otis where it's you're making fun of him. Um, he does the worm? He does the worm. But the whole reason why people like him, it's kind of like baby. It's Heel, like heels can't do the worm. They'd call it the snake. It's the worm. You're a baby face. No. Otis is not a real baby. Otis is when like there's those heartwarming stories where like the kid with special needs becomes the prom king and everyone's like, oh, this is this is really sweet. Like that's Otis. Um, he's huge. Robert's a prom like stuff. this guy's a heel. <laughs> this fuck this guy. Wheelchair went prom king and he's like, oh man, what a heel. This is this fucking type lazy. Of bullshit. This is Get lazy booking. <laughs> yeah, uh, WB, it's it's almost like a show like Sons of Anarchy has this problem where it's like uh, they think that uh, they're baby faces, but they're not. 
and WWE has that problem a lot too, where it's like, no, no, this is like kind of like a like this is how a dick would respond to this. Oh, situation. for sure, that happens. Well, because yeah. when they yeah, but when they went pure babyface, I would say it would be Bret Hart's singles title run, and the crowd gravitated to Shawn Michaels, who's a dick. Like they were like, this is the guy we want. We don't want the earnest guy that comes out there and is like, thank you guys for supporting me. You're my fans. I love you all over the world, not just the United States. And I'm going to work hard for you. Like, nah, fuck you. We want the guy that was in Playgirl who does a zip line down to the ring. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and often, oftentimes with baby faces, they, they shame them in a way yeah. that it, it kills them. I've seen so many baby faces where their momentum is just completely shot because they go, oh, will garner sympathy by uh, by making them look like a fool. You know, someone does something terrible to them and then they don't follow up with it well enough where the person gets revenge and then he just looks like a cuck. Like uh, Zack Ryder. I mean, that was a disaster. That was a baby face. And then it was over. That was brutal. Well, in Vince's mind, a lot of the times, like the baby, and I, I always heard this when I was on creative, it's like the kind of, one of the kind of baby faces he likes is he likes the John McClane, the everyman who just keeps getting the shit beat out of him, but he still keeps coming back. And I feel like that was what he was trying to do with Ambrose for a while. But then they, to your point, they never really followed through. It's like he would get the crap beat out of him and then he'd come out with like a hot dog cart and squirt mustard on him. And like, yeah, that in his mind, like that, that's him really sticking it to him. Right. Well, folks, that's our show. Tune into the Patreon this Sunday. We're covering Meltzer's best Survivor Series matches. I told you what they are. Uh, we have a uh, t-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. We have a Instagram. We've got a Twitter. Rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about it. Thanks for tuning in. Scott? Listen to my other podcast, Garbage Days, with uh, Brendan Sagalow. It's on all, all those podcasting platforms. Robert? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. I'll give another plug for Talking Shopamania 2. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter and you like what I'm doing, you're going to fucking love this pay-per-view. It's it's 15 bucks. It was it was really great to have uh, Doc Gallows come on here today to, yes, to shoot you, the shit with us. That was, that was fucking awesome. Really uh, and... Uh, you know, since it's still kind of a toss-up, uh, you can probably still go vote. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> yeah, one on that. Thank you, guys. Have a good one.